Jojo episode 78. I checked before this to make sure it's how we had a game episodes straight. <laughs> um, probably like this, but um, so we have our conference uh weekend game predictions. I'm not really sure we didn't come up with a goal name like we did for the super duper divisional weekend. Uh, or the Super Wild Card Weekend that was already created, forced by the NFL. But so we got the, the Buccaneers, the Packers, and the Chiefs version. So we'll give our predictions there. I'm gonna. I bet we have neither of our predictions. I think we don't have any of the same predictions, but we will see. Um, and then we thought of this idea. We we, we worked together on this idea. Um, we're gonna go through a couple of the more aging players in the NFL at the moment, and we're going to say whether we think they are going to be in the Hall of Fame or not. Um, it was kind of spurred by the retirement of Philip Rivers that we discussed um, in our new segment. And then I was about a few players, but it was all like players that were good. <laughs> so Colton made a new list of players that might spur some more discussion because Maya was like Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, Frank Gore. <laughs> um, so I think there'll be some kind of lengthen out a little bit as there's some more uh, news. It's been a little while. A lot of stuff going on in the Steelers world as we we make a few players of um, um, some retirements and stuff going on. But first, yeah. we have to do the the age long question: How has your week been? Oh, just fine and dandy. Um, not much been going on. Watching some basketball, getting ready for the championship rounds of NFL playoffs. Um, yeah, I've had some practices, had some games. Just been hanging out with the fellows, playing Xbox, doing my schoolwork. And just uh, living, living life one step at a time. Currently, waiting for, waiting for things to open back up, and hopefully, trying to you know get back and, and doing some public things or things in public, I guess, to try to get some more fun stuff going. Because obviously, there isn't that much to do right now. But you know, I can, I can hope and pray that eventually we can get back to some semblance of normality. But what have you been up to the past couple of weeks? So, uh, not weeks, but days. <laughs> yeah. So basically. The past like three, four episodes, I've been discussing the track uh, conundrum or whatever that's been going on, and it continues. So as track started on Monday, I was not able to go on Monday, sadly enough. But I was able to go on Tuesday. I was actually like at the school on Tuesday. Well, no, it started on. I don't know. Either way, I was able to come to. The, I was not able to come to the first practice, but I was able to come to the second practice, um, which was which was nice to get back out there. I'm definitely got a lot to work for, and <laughs> like I got a lot to. To improve too, but then so then I can make it a second practice, and there's supposed to be a third practice or, or the fourth. I don't remember what number of practice, but I was going to come, and then they up and canceled it. But I didn't hear about it until after the bus was already left. So I, my friend drove me home and whatever. Uh, but I mean, I only got to go to one practice this week. Um, I had to get thrown my own, which is better. But um, it's, it's it's weird. School is like back like the half and half for me. So I'm in school half the time, and then at home half the time. Mm-hmm. Just still kind of lame, but it is better as I get to playing like every other day. Um, but it's it's basically sports coming home, getting some schoolwork, messing around, and hoping that um, things can get back to normal. But this is like the winter conditions. Like no one's at these track practices. There's like six kids um, at the most, and I'm by far the worst one. It's kind of rough, but <laughs> you know, that's what I'm getting it done. Um, yeah, definitely getting ready for the playoffs. Did some good preparation for this episode today, and you know, just living the life, I guess. Uh, yeah. I, know, I was very excited. I was very intrigued. I wouldn't say I was excited. I was very intrigued by one um, that, yeah, I'm sure we'll be getting. To. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. The listeners know what we're talking about. Um, but yeah. we'll, we'll get that. We will. 
We will. So I guess without further ado, we get into our news section. There's a decent bit of news today. And we'll start off with the most imminent piece of news that I'm sure you've all heard and that we've um, we, we, we've talked about a bit uh, off of air. But um, Philip Rivers has retired. The longtime Los Angeles Chargers quarterback and one-year Indianapolis Colts quarterback has called it a quits. Um, he is, you know, all-time top five passing yards, top five passing touchdowns. Great career. We will be discussing whether or not we believe Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer in just a little bit. Um, he's one of the many players we will be discussing. But whether you think he's a Hall of Famer, he's had an amazing career. Um, uh, a, a funny guy on, on the field. Um, I really just, he's a man of mystery. A very interesting man in so many different regards. Um, Philip Rivers, just another domino effect in the change, kind of the shifting of the guard, if you will, from the quarterbacks we grew up watching, the quarterbacks be watching throughout our adolescence. Um, yeah, so it's just one more piece. Drew Brees will be probably retiring. Philip Rivers is gone. We, you know, Ben will be out next year, and then the coming years you'll see Tom Brady retire. Aaron Rodgers retire somewhere. Matt Ryan will retire. Um, all these guys that we grew up watching will not be around any longer. And that'll be a really strange place. But it'll be you know, strange. It's not exactly like we're uh, we're missing out here. Yeah, we're not passing the Lamar Jackson into uh, uncapable hands. But no, it's definitely we're not missing out on exciting football. But it is. It's a, it's a different wave. It's a different era. It's kind of sad to see. Uh, yeah, Philip Rivers has always been one of those guys. That, been one of the better players in the league and a top quarterback very productive and um you know but it's i feel i kind of feel i'm ha- kind of happy now that he's retired he can finally focus on having a decent side family taking care of his kids you know he's he, we all know he's got uh, humongous for him uh that, that, that's a joke of course as he already has quite a large family but congratulations Philip rivers enjoy your retirement uh as you're the second of three quarterbacks from the 2004 draft class retired. We should have put you in Manning off. I didn't even think about it. Um, that would have been interesting, but I'm pretty sure we would both say he would. So, um, another piece we have here, another kind of a strange piece, Pittsburgh Steelers tight end Vance McDonald has decided to retire at age 30. Um, interesting here, he has spent eight seasons in the NFL, four of those with Pittsburgh, the other four with the San Francisco 49ers, as a backup to uh, two-time Pro Bowl tight end Jordan Reed. Um, but he has decided to call it a quits. Interesting, um, after this season, he kind of faded into the background of the Pittsburgh Steelers offense as he uh, became the backup to Eric Ebron, who was in the offseason. Um, you know, I, it's like Vance McDonald definitely could have left the Steelers, which they probably were not going to bring him back for Capri's. If he left, he, he could have got a contract somewhere else. He decided, you know, he didn't want the money. He wants to go live his life. At uh, 30 years old, he's got enough money. Decided to retire, um, and yeah, if you know Vance McDonald, you probably know him from the Chris Conti or whatever his name was, the the stiff arm that sent the man into oblivion. Um, he was a you know yeah. he, was, he was a solid tight end and good player, good blocker for the Steelers. And uh, yeah, so he has chosen retirement. So good luck to you, Vance McDonald, in all of your future endeavors. Yeah, definitely. I know I the exact words I said: a really good blocking tight end, receiving upside. Um, which I think is, is the perfect way to describe him because he could block well. He was one of the top PFF grade blocking block tight ends um, for, for years and years, and especially with the Steelers, that was something that I always noticed. And then, um, you know, we know he could catch the ball and rack up some yards after catch and stuff, which is always convenient. But to me, I'll always be a little bit, like, not upset, a little bit, uh, 
better. He was basically the reason why Jesse James left. And I was a big fan of Jesse James, but it does not mean that Jesse James could not return to the Jazz. He would probably be released from the Lions this offseason. So, um, I don't know. I saw that, and that's looking interesting. I, I, can, I can't imagine Jesse, like, the pay is going to be that much. I feel like the Steelers are probably just going to stick with the young gun and draft some. Yeah. That's, that's the Steelers' position is not one that is of any crazy, it's like, we're not going to sit around and discuss that, because like, who cares? Yeah. I just haven't really been used much since, uh, he, since then. It's just been a, a back and forth between guys that weren't, simply were not as good and didn't like passing the ball to as much. So yeah. that's basically, yeah. basically that. So, <laughs> um, moving on here, we've got some head coaching news, a couple new hires since the last episode. The Detroit Lions have hired a new head coach, being Dan Campbell, um, the Saints' assistant head coach, Interesting news here. Obviously, the Saints were one of the most successful organizations over the past five or so years, learning under Sean Payton. Um, it's You know, it's okay. We, he got there. He had a really crazy performance, if you didn't hear it. Um, yeah, they loved it. He had this press conference talking about how we'll punch you on the mouth, and if you punch us back, we'll smile, and it'll take two punches to get us down. And then on the we'll get back up, but we'll bite off your kneecap on the way back up. And it'll take three punches to get us down, and then we'll bite off your other knee. We're going to take four punches, and then we'll take another chunk out of you on the way up. It was a really, a really weird press conference. I don't, I don't think theoretically it's a bad enough, but I think it's bad because he didn't really say anything about what he was going to do with the Lions organization other than that speech about biting off kneecaps and such, um, being a hardworking, gritty football team. Uh, but he was brutally honest about the, the situation that the Detroit Lions are in and have been in over the past decade or so, uh, and I can appreciate that. Uh, so I don't, I don't win in on this hire. It's not, you know, a big flashy hire. It's not somebody that's well-known as being, you know, a great coordinator or anything. It's just, you know, an under-the-radar sign has a lot of upside, but also, yeah, it's, it's a high high ceiling, low floor thing is what I'll say. Um, the, the only thing that really stuck out to me was that he was like a tight end coach there, too. Obviously, they, they invested a lot in TJ Hawkins and drafting him so high, so maybe that was an end as well. But, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Me. Like you said, not too flashy, but could could pan out well in, in the long term. Yeah, only sure. time will tell. But that's yeah. definitely, they definitely wanted to change the culture there. They got the guy that they thought they could do it. So, uh, yeah, and, he seems like a culture uh, changer, yeah. nothing yeah. else. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, only time will tell. That is the Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, the next piece of head coach hiring, the Philadelphia Eagles have hired uh, former Indianapolis Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni as their head coach. Um, interestingly enough, this is a move that definitely points the Eagles in the direction of keeping Carson Wentz, or at least attempting to. Um, if you don't know, Nick Sirianni was offensive coordinator in Indianapolis under their head coach Frank Reich. And Frank Reich was Carson Wentz's offensive coordinator for years. Um Obviously, he was the offensive coordinator of Carson Wentz, who developed into his MVP form that he was at. He was his coordinator during those days. And him and Carson Wentz have a great relationship. Reportedly, Frank Reich being in Indianapolis was one of the main reasons that Indianapolis was very high on Carson Wentz's targets of where he would want to be traded. And this just looked reports that Philly was going to try to get Carson were telling their head coach slash GM candidates that they wanted Carson Wentz back. And this just seems to be a move that's confirming that, a move that to be for somebody that they believe Carson Wentz is really going to like and someone that is just going to hopefully uh, be able to keep him around. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. And, yeah, we, we have more idea what people want to do as far as the quarterback position goes. Um, I don't know. 
I don't really know much about it, to be honest. So. Yeah. Um, so now we get to another piece of head coaching news that is not a signing. Um, but this is the, the final team in the league that has does not have a head coach as of current is the Houston Texans. Um, and Joe actually had said um, earlier today, it was really interesting. Texans are exploring for a head can- coaching candidate, uh, Josh McCann, former journeyman NFL quarterback, who has been most notably known with the Cleveland Browns for a few years. He played with the Buccaneers for a few years. Just a journeyman. He ended up, like, last season being, like, a, an emergency practice squad quarterback for the Eagles, but he was living in, like, Tampa Bay. So he just sat on his couch and made money, basically. Um, but, yeah, reportedly, Texans are exploring him as their new head coach. Um, it's a pipe dream, per se, but if they were to sign Josh McC- they would want to surround him with at least one former head coach. Um, this is all per Mike Garofolo. Um So, yeah, a really interesting story there. I, I doubt it's going to but it would be interesting. And as we get into this with the Texans, it looks like potentially my – like two best head coaching candidates on the market, besides maybe Urban Meyer, um, probably will be going unsigned for head coach, being um, the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, Eric Bieniemy, and the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, Brian Dabble. Um, Dabble had announced that he was going through the head coaching process, but ultimately decided after a lot of teams had their head coach set in stone, decided that he will be staying in Buffalo um, for at least this season or next season. I mean, Bianami hasn't said anything like that, but it's not like he's going to be um, with the Houston Texans just based on things they're looking. I think Josh McDaniels is the favorite to land that job, I believe. Um, I'm not 100% sure. But those obviously player or two coaches there that would just be amazing for any team. Two coaches that were able to develop their quarterbacks so much and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes into two of the brightest young quarterbacks in the league. You know what I mean? I would have loved to see either of those guys with the Chargers personally. That was we I, I've expressed that multiple times. Those were my guys that I won on the Chargers. But they decided to go another route with Miss Daly. Um but yeah, that, that that would just be an interesting news. Not that I think the Josh McCown thing is gonna come to fruition, but I just wanted to, to throw it out there as a, a little interesting piece of news. So um so I know the Steelers interviewed Hugh Jackson and Hamilton as possible offensive coordinator spots and Hugh Jackson, I don't know. It's you know, I don't really know what <laughs> I don't know what his uh like I'm not sure like where it'd be as far as offensive coordinators what they're really looking for. Um he was a good offensive coordinator back back in the day. But since then he's not really done anything too crazy. Ever since he won sixteen, Hugh Jackson has not been uh, much of a coaching prospect, let's say. But I do like Pat Hamilton who was a head coach of the XFL Defenders. Um he made Cardell Jones look good for approximately three games before they actually fell apart. Um, but it seems like an interesting like position there. I think he was the, the quarterback's coach for the Chargers, if I remember correctly, which is interesting. But I don't think he, I feel like latest reports are saying that quarterback coach Matt Kenda will likely be um, being signed as the offensive coordinator sooner rather than later, which is okay. I mean, it's very Steeler-esque and... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know much fans. about Hamilton, I but I don't know much about Hamilton. But I will say I like Cannon Jackson, and it's not because you know I don't take really Hugh Jackson's own 16 season into account here because being a head coach and being a coordinator are completely different things. Um, tell you that even like Dick Lebeau back in the day was not that good of a head coach, but he was an absolutely phenomenal defensive coordinator. Um, 
just looking into this a little bit, Hugh Jackson was an offensive coordinator before he was the head coach of the Cleveland. And overall, he's just good. His, most of the most of his meaningful statistics throughout um, all of his teams were in the 20s, um, the, the lower half of the league. But there was one, which is I'm sure why the Brooks Steelers decided to interview him. He did have one season, and I'm not sure what team it was with, but his offense was second in rushing. So I'm sure that's what the Steelers are looking at right now as a team that finished, I believe, dead last in the NFL in rushing yards per game. Um, yeah. A team that really needs to get some sort of consistent ground game going once again. So they are... You know, looking at some potentially could have some upside there. I don't think Hugh Jackson is the guy. I'd rather see uh, Canada step in as the offensive coordinator, which, you know, as much as it's a little bit boring, um, I think it'd be a solid move. And that's where I am there. But um, so we now, there's some more, a little bit more. Michael Thomas is a guy that uh, a lot of people like to love to make fun of. And while sometimes we do like to make fun of Michael Thomas, um, I can respect, you know, the decisions that he made here. He is expected to have surgery on a torn deltoid and torn ligaments ankle that he just said this season, um, most likely in week one, that injury that he had gone out with. Um, and reportedly, he had played through. He knew he had these injuries the whole season and decided to play through them because it likely was Drew Brees' last season. He knew that, and he wanted to get Drew Brees one more Super Bowl before his retirement. Obviously, that did not happen. We looked at Michael Thomas, and he just looked like a shell of what he once was for the majority of the season, you know what I mean? He didn't play very much, but when he played, he didn't look amazing. He didn't look amazing in the playoffs, the final game that they ended up losing to the uh, Buccaneers. Michael Thomas did not catch a single pass. Um, and yet, th- these injuries definitely caught up with him. If you watch the way he, he was not as explosive, not nearly as dynamic as he was just a season ago, you could definitely tell he was being hampered down, but nobody knew it until now. Um, but I can respect it. He decided to play. He wanted to get Drew Brees' last Super Bowl. And while it didn't end up ultimately happening, I can definitely respect the decision as a person there. For yeah, yeah, definitely. The, the hate uh, of Twitter boy and Slant Boy or whatever you want to call him. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, you got to respect him there. Showed some real grit and played through an injury. So maybe he didn't play at a high level, but more than I could ever do. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to Michael Thomas. So we've got three pieces of news left. Two of them are about the upcoming championship round. And this other one is one that we are very interested in. Obviously one you've heard about it. The Pittsburgh Steelers are signing Dwayne Haskins, former first-round Washington football quarterback, 15th overall, if I'm not mistaken, out of Ohio State. Came into Washington football team. Um, did not look very good before a lot of outside stuff came being at strip clubs and Doing some really strange things on and off the field. Um, ended up getting caught by the team. Alex Smith became their starting quarterback. And Dwayne Haskins was on the market for a while. And decided he got signed by the Pittsburgh Steelers recently. And this is, if nothing else, bad news for people like you, Mason Rudolph, in my opinion. Um, I won't say true Mason Rudolph lovers, and I'll say I don't want to say true. Um, <laughs> for people that believe Mason Rudolph is the future, this isn't good. Because I'm not, by no means am I saying, by no means am I saying on this podcast that Dwayne Haskins is the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback of the future. By no means do I believe. Um, What I do believe is that this is yet another situation. You have a team and they they try to get in here and sure up a backup quarterback that has a similar play style to their starting is what this is. Um, Once again, and it's. You know, a team that knows maybe, hey, we've got an older quarterback, a quarterback that could hamper in a few weeks, you know what I mean? We don't want to risk it. this guy moving forward next season. We want a backup quarterback with a similar play style that we need some games with. 
And I'm not saying that Dwayne Haskins would be the backup. For all we know, used to be the backup quarterback, right? That's likely. You know what I mean? It's not unlikely that Mason Rudolph continues to be the, the, the backup. But what I'm saying is that uh, if they believed Mason Rudolph was the guy uh, <laughs> off of Ben Roethlisberger, they definitely would not have brought in another quarterback to come in and compete with him. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't think Rudolph is the guy. I obviously feel really shopping. But they bring in Dwayne Haskins, so while, you know, I had said I didn't originally like the idea of it before they even did it, just because, you know, I didn't think they would be bringing any distractions. It's funny enough, Joseph actually messaged, Joe, I texted him, like, earlier that day, and it was, like, something about, like, hey, the Steelers are interviewing Dwayne Haskins. He's like, what do you, what do you think? And I was like, I don't, I, I was like, I don't really like it. I, I don't think he wants Tom to bring any more, quote-unquote, distractions into the locker room. They did it. But, you know, it's a situation. They're not going to have any tolerance to Wayne Haskins, I'll tell you that, because they signed him to a one-year reserve deal, and they can cut him at any time to no loss to the French. So he'll have to be on his behavior. But it's it's a one-year deal. Do I think he'll even be in Pittsburgh beyond this season? Maybe, maybe not. Um, I think he'll compete for the backup job. But all I'm saying is that it's not good news for those of you that um, are big fans of Mason Rudolph and think that he's the future because, yeah, he, he might not even be the backup quarterback this year. We shall see. But I don't think either of them will be quarterback in the future. I think Pittsburgh Steelers, personally, I believe that their first-round draft pick this will probably be a quarterback. Or not this season, but either this season or season will probably be a quarterback. They can, they're different. This season, I think you either go QB or running back, personally. And if you're going running back, you got to go Najee Harris. Um, man, it was an absolute stud in college. I would love to get Najee Harris because running back is our biggest need on the current roster. But obviously, moving forward, quarterback is going to be it. It all depends on where quarterbacks fall because so many different quarterbacks that can go high on this draft. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, so many different guys. And on the, just this season, Mac Jones, even, uh, could definitely could it go anywhere in the first round that it's such a volatile range of places. I mean, these quarterbacks can go. So it, it really uh-huh. just comes down to who's there. But I think quarterback and running back are the top priorities on their list. And I don't think Ro- or Rudolph or Haskins will be the, the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback in the future. So Interesting. Um, the, this signing says, says three things to me. It says, yeah, the first thing that you mentioned, the Steelers clearly do not trust Rudolph that much. It's basically been spelled out from day one. They didn't, if the Steelers really thought Mason Rudolph was future, they would have drafted in the first round. I heard someone say that, and it's really stuck with me. It obviously shows that they were not going to invest a lot in Mason Rudolph because they weren't sold on him or any other team, to be honest. He was drafted that high. Um, and I he's played well in some opportunities. He's, he's growing, he's learning. Um, but that, that's, I can rehash and rehash Mason Rudolph, uh, you know, over and over again. And I say the same thing over and over, and over again. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is that um, this is a, a buy low with no risk. Um, there's high reward here. If, if it turns out that he can turn his career around, coached by Matt Canada and the other offensive assistants there, and fixes different issues, and keeps the behavior good, and, you know, none of us are going to complain if when Hassan turns out to be the next quarterback and we do not have to turn high on him. You know, we didn't have to draft him in the first round. We didn't have to use our first round pick on a quarterback at all. Um, that, you know, I'm not going to, I don't think he was going to be like, oh, darn it, we signed Dwayne Haskins and he was good. You know, like, that's that, that's that's that. And then, oh, what's the third thing? Ah, crap. Um, oh, you know, yes, the third thing. I think it's going forward. If the Steelers don't draft a, a first round quarterback this year, then I think they're going to do the same thing. If 
done this two times now. They signed Paxton, they drafted Paxton, now they've now they drafted, they signed Paxton, and now they signed Owen Haskins. They're looking for highly had a recruit here to see if they can try and turn their careers around. And then, yeah, like I said, buy low, and there's a higher reward if you know, they turn out good. So maybe if they don't draft one, maybe watch them sign another first-round quarterback that's maybe deemed a bust or whatever, and um, see if they can think what's wrong with them. Because obviously they have faith in their, their coaching I don't know. That's that's what my takeaways were. Um, I definitely am not sold on Haskins at all. Um, but obviously, Tom sees something, I think it's worth signing it. Had to let go of Duck, uh, Steeler fan favorite. Um, so I yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think Dwayne Haskins. I feel like if he get, if he stays on the roster through this year, is going to be as the third quarterback. I don't think he's going to be active on game day. Only time will tell. But like I said, you tell him see something that he likes. Obviously, like he's he knows more about the game of football than I do. Um, you know, I he, I guess they didn't work him out. I thought they'd like work him out and see what he how he could throw and stuff. But I guess they just like sit down and have lunch, talk to him, discuss stuff. You know, Alex Smith came out and out. You know, he said Dwayne Haskins has all the potential in the world. And um, if if they can tap, if the Steelers can tap into that, then I'm not going to complain it whatsoever. If <laughs> I'm not, I'm going to take a lot of guess and say that Dwayne Haskins turns out to be a good quarterback, you're not going to be complaining about it. <laughs> and no one should, you know. That's yeah. That's that's my take on it all. But it's it's a it's not. A, I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's just blown out of the proportion because he's a big name who you know has been in the news in the past. Was drafted pretty high, so mm-hmm. you know if it was anyone else. It really wouldn't be that big of a deal. Yeah. In the words of Rocky Blyer, that's just one man's opinion. Um, Rocky, if you know, Rocky you know. Um, but the next two pieces of news, the last two we've got here for, for the day, are two pieces about the AFC and NFC championship. The first one would be my main man, our guy Antonio Brown, has been ruled out for this NFC championship game versus the Green Bay Packers with a knee injury. Um, sad stuff, he had sustained it. A couple weeks ago, he was limited last week in the divisional round. He didn't get as many snaps as he usually would. And, yeah, he will be out versus Green Bay. And I actually, if I don't know if any of you people, if you do, or I don't think you do, at least you've never mentioned it or anyone else. I listen to a podcast called the Locked on Steelers podcast with Chris Carter. Um, great podcast. Go give it a listen. But um, they were he, they were doing talking about how, you know, many Steelers fans, like all the Steelers fans that they don't want – they were really heavily rooting for a Green Bay Packers versus Buffalo Bills Super Bowl because they don't want to see Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown slash Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. It's like they just couldn't see it. Personally, at least for me, I don't know about you, but for me personally, I would I would love to see Antonio Brown get a Super Bowl ring. If I can, you know, and I don't have anything against Tom Brady at this point. We're at a point where there was a point where, you know, it was, you could, you could if you didn't like Tom Brady, you know what I mean? It would be like, okay, I don't want him to win a Super Bowl because I don't want, I don't want Tom Brady to be considered the greatest quarterback of all time. You know what I mean? But we're at a point now where he has long surpassed the debate. Um, we all know Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. Nobody debates it anymore. And we're at a point where he, okay, well, he wins another Super Bowl. He's still the greatest quarterback. It doesn't change anything. You know what I mean? It's like as much, you know, as much as Steelers fans may not be the biggest fan of Tom Brady. Um, or Antonio Brown. I'm a guy that I still love Antonio Brown, and I really would I would love to see him get a Super Bowl ring personally. Yeah, I didn't really like. There was a few like there was like two or three months where I didn't really like Antonio Brown, but but as soon as he came back with the, I got to see him play. He only had four receptions that 
Um, one was for a touchdown. It's just it brought up it brought all back all the memories of AAB, and it's just like you can't a person that can put on a show. A only had four receptions put on a show when he played the one game with the Patriots, and that was on like he didn't even practice. Like a short week, he just came and he just played and was AB, and he played with the Buccaneers. He um, I know our first one of our very one of earlier episodes. It was it was a while ago now, but. His Anthony Brown's first game of the season, we were all disappointed because he barely got any snaps and he didn't get yeah. many targets. And I was watching the open and they're not throwing the ball to him, but they're finally getting opportunities now. And now he's injured, coming to the biggest game of the season, basically. Um, and if they win, it'd be the second biggest game. But, but you know what I mean. And yeah. it's game at a time. That's that's always the most these players. So this yeah. is the biggest game of the season. And yeah. it's sad that they can't play. I was hoping to go out there and see him ball <laughs> at the very least. I think that okay. I'm not gonna say who I think is gonna win because um, that's up next. Um, it would it would it's a game where Tony Brown is in. It's always a better product, um, which as a football fan we can all love, and Anthony Brown is a character which we can all love. So you know, sad, but he you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And the injury, so those knee injuries yeah. I guess can be tricky. I really hurt my knee, but that's what I always yeah. we always like the the scuttlebutt around the NFL is always like knee injuries and like. Back injuries are always like the worst, and they always like linger. Yeah, yeah. Most Steelers fans or NFL fans in general went through a season of Antonio Brown hatred, but I can say I don't know. I, it's like a, it's like, Antonio Brown for me is on a Kanye West level, um, where you're at a point where you could do pretty much anything, and I would still defend you. <laughs> the point where and you know the level that extreme Kanye West fans are on and I fall victim to it at times with even Kanye West just a level where Kanye West can say some really crazy things or really like you know out there things and I'll justify it because I love Kanye West you know what I mean it's like I'll justify it because I have so many memories with his music and I can I sit there and I justify him that's what it is with Antonio Brown too I've got so many great memories of sitting there watching Antonio Brown and he brought me so much happiness throughout my life in my football watching career, um, I'm forever thankful and grateful for Antonio Brown because without Antonio Brown, I'm not, I'm not the football fan I am today. I'm not sitting here making an NFL podcast with you right now. Um, I've still got his fat head up on my wall and a big plaque of him up on my wall there, as, as you all know. Another couple posters that got him. He's my main man still. So, um, but now we move on to the last piece of news for the day. Patrick Mahomes and the news you've all been waiting for. Um, will Patrick Mahomes play? Won't Patrick Mahomes play? He will play versus the Buffalo Bills. He has cleared the concussion protocol and it, he will be playing and starting quarterback versus the Buffalo Bills. And as much as uh, it was an interesting thing to see Chad Henney come in and save the day, um, anything, is possible. anything is possible, but Mahomes will be back. And that's good because obviously we want to see it. No matter what team you're rooting for, what team you think is going to win, um, we want to see the best product. And that is shaping up to be potentially one of the games of the year, one of the best games we've seen in a long time. And that's what's important to me. Whoever wins, you know I, you know what team I, I want the Buffalo Bills to win, but whatever team wins, I just want to – I'll sacrifice a Kansas City Chiefs win if that means um, – I get to see an amazing football game. And that's what I care about. Getting to see Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the NFL, play some football. Um, yeah. And yeah, that, that's where I'm at. So Mahomes will play. We will see that game. And boy, will it be a fun. Oh, yeah. It sure will be. It, to me, it's basically, are the Steelers playing? If so, I'm rooting for the Steelers. If not, I'll pick 
like just whatever team feels right. And then if they don't win, then I, I don't care. I'm not stressed. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's all about, yeah, this is going to be a fun game. As my score prediction represents, this is going to be an awesome game. Um, oh, yeah. Basically, could get right into it right now. Yeah. There's no, you said that. Now, that was the last piece, so you can you can do the honors and kick us off here with our AFC slash NFC championship predictions. Yes, yes, yes. So this game came down to it is like one of those flow charts. Is Patrick Mahomes playing? Yes, no. If you go to yes, the Chiefs are winning. Uh, <laughs> I think the Chiefs are gonna win. Other lighter fashion, thirty-eight to thirty-five, high-scoring, fun game. The problem way for um, the explosive offenses. Star-studded players all around. You know, it's, this is high-quality football. This is legitimately. I think these are like the two best teams, and then it's the other team from the NFC. I don't. I think if either of these teams go to this, like, if one of the, whoever, whichever one of these teams is making, I think they're gonna win. Like, I think these are these teams are the best team in the world. They're the best players in the world. Best two quarterbacks in really, um, and all-around great players. Although I think. As much as I think the Chiefs are going to win, I don't think this is a lock. I think there are many possibilities where the Bills can win this game. As the defense is is really good, it took a step back from last year, as I mentioned way, way too often. But it's still a really good team. Like, there's still a really good defense. Um, Tredavious White is probably still a top three cornerback in the NFL, or at least top four. I guess it's, it's really a competition in the top four. But um, I'm not sure. This is this is an, I'm betting copious amounts of money you have the Bills winning. But <laughs> well, uh, what I will say I, I is guess... that uh, you just lost copious amounts of money. <sighs> wow. Because, let me say, I'll preface this by saying I really want the Buffalo Bills to win this football game. I'll tell you that. The Bills fans deserve it. And the, my, the beginning predictions, as we mentioned even when we made our beginning playoff predictions, um, just because we made those playoff predictions does not mean particularly that we would, that those were set in stone and they were update. They were definitely subject to change. And just what I've seen from the two teams as of late, it could definitely go either way, but I think I'm going to give it to Chiefs still. And I always said the Chiefs were favored to win it all. I just, you know, I believe in the Buffalo Bills at the time. They were doing so well. But it just seems like as the playoffs progressed, the Bills are getting to a point where they are so reliant on Josh Allen. They, they have no running game, none. They had seven, or they had nine total designed runs last week. Nine. Um, they didn't. They did not run the ball until their twenty-first offensive snap. Um, it's ridiculous how how dependent they are on Josh Allen. And it's to the point where if Josh Allen is not having a great game, they are definitely going to lose. Um, that's that's where we are right now. And it's just a thing where, generally, with the Kansas City Chiefs, if you're going to beat the Chiefs, their weakness is is stopping the run. That's what it is. You saw you saw the teams like the Raiders, the fully healthy Chiefs. They were able to they were able to t- knock off the fully healthy Chiefs early in the season with Josh Jacobs with the running game. Josh Jacobs had a great game, and they're able to run the ball down your throat because the Chiefs' running game, and it, that's their one weakness that they really have. And if the Bills aren't able to expose it, it gets down to a shootout. And I think Kansas City has more weapons, plain and simple. You know what I mean? So I'm predicting Kansas City to win this one. Um, 31 to 36 is the score that I have written. It doesn't mean much, but um, I will be rooting for Buffalo. Let me tell you what. (laughs) Make no mistake, I will definitely be rooting for the Buffalo Bills. Bills fans deserve this. Um, 
I would love to see the Bills win the Super Bowl. I think Josh Allen is an amazing quarterback, one of my top three favorite quarterbacks. Stephon Diggs is one of my favorite wide receivers in the league. Um, such, such, such a fun team to watch. Um, so I'll be rooting for the Bills heavily, but my prediction will be Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, that's fair. I would have lost. I would be a poor man. I would have just lost. Um, thank goodness that way I didn't sign any contract and I did not legally bet any money. Thank you <laughs> for that. So I am already wrong. I thought we would have both these games wrong, different. Um, so maybe we both have the same exact prediction. I've said it. I've said it. I've said it. I've said it. I'm sticking. I'm sticking to my my bracket. I think the Packers are going to win this game. I love the Packers. Everything is aligning properly. Aaron Rodgers is playing at an unstoppable level. Devontae Adams is not guarded by arguably the best cornerback in the NFL. Um, you know, it's just the Packers offense is good and the, the Packers defense is not good. <laughs> that, you know, we know that. The Packers defense not good, especially. The weakness has always been against the rush, um, which I guess is the second time we've said that, but it's, it's been that they didn't, they got Kenny Clark and they don't really have much else to stop us there. They have a good pass rush. They have some, some good secondary players. John L. Savage, who's, who's came out to play this year and, and definitely been um, not talked about enough. And J.R. Alexander, who has really broke out and is an argument uh, as well as, as, uh, as Jalen Ramsey in conversation with the best cornerback in the NFL. So I think that the stars are aligning for the Packers. And the Buccaneers, it always has seemed like the Buccaneers were not, not, I think they're all, I always thought they were a little too much, too much talk, a little, not enough. I always thought they were too old. I, I'm going to come out and say, I always thought they were a little too, Tom Brady's too old. The defense, it seems like they built their team like it was 2015. Antonio Brown, <laughs> all these different guys. And like, it's like Chris Godwin, Chris Godwin can be a superstar. But then sometimes he come out and just drop pass. Like sometimes the pack, the Bucks are just way too for me to think that they're going to be the Packers. Which have basically been the most consistent team. They had the one bad game versus the Buccaneers at Week Six, <laughs> um, and you know they they haven't been perfect the whole season long. But in general, the Packers have, have played really really well. The Buccaneers come out some weeks and they just do not look like they're playing up to. And if they come out and they play up to the talent, then this is going to be a really really good game. But if they don't, then I think it's going to be around a 27 to 21 victory, screaming myself by touchdown at the end. Um, maybe a little margin, bigger margin of victory to be honest, but. I think that's where I'm going with that. It's, this is why I'm, I'm not really confident in either of these games, but I really like Packers, and I really think Aaron Rodgers, he's playing with such confidence. Boys, he's not, he does not care. You, I'm watching him, and he's playing like, he just simply does, like, he's just going out there, just playing like backyard football. And it's, it's amazing feat to watch. And he's literally just playing like it's just college. Like, it's just, um, he's just a man among boys playing as his defense. He's 38 years old. And he might not be 38 years old. But I don't. I don't know how old Aaron Rodgers. I think he's 36. Okay, he's 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 getting up, there. and he's still playing like juking guys out and just like putting his body on the line. And he's not like he's not paying the price. He hasn't so far. Um, he's always in the Pat McAfee show, and his his confidence is just next. It's awesome. Yes, I like. I don't like Aaron Rodgers that much. I like Aaron Rodgers. I like the confidence. Him and him and Jalen Ramsey are like the same. Like they're very confident. And they talk a lot of smack, but then they go out there and they, they absolutely light it up most of the time. <laughs> and there's like, you know, you got to respect this trash talk whenever there's no, like, repercussions yeah. to it because you're good. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what your prediction is. I'm, it's like 50-50. Yeah. So um, I agree with most of what you said, uh, definitely about the box. I don't agree with the with your thing about the box being a little bit too old. Um, 
I think they got a lot of young players on that team personally. I think Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, both young. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, both young. Ali Marpet, Tristan Wirfs, Shaquille Barrett, Antoine Winfield, Devin White, a lot of young guys. Um, but anyway, you, you, you came into this saying that you thought we were going to um, have two differences, and we ended up um, having the same predictions because I think the Packers will win. Um, I just think, while, while I, I stick to my thing, that I think Tampa Bay probably has the best roster in the league, um, Green Bay is playing on such a high level right now behind Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. It's so tough for me to predict them to lose this game. You know, I mean, they're just hitting on all cylinders, hypothetically. Personally, I believe that if Drew Brees doesn't throw three interceptions in that game last week, then um, the Buccaneers are not in the <laughs> NFC Championship. Um, I just, I don't know. I just, something, it's just the connection between Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams is unlike anything I've seen in a long time. Um, anything I've seen since about 2016 with Big Ben and A.B. slash Matty Ice and Julio in 2016. That was, this is probably like the best wide receiver QB duo I've seen since then. They're playing on such a crazy level. They have a defense that um, is able to, to pressure the quarterback and very good in coverage, very good in coverage. And they match up well because Tampa Bay is not a particularly great running team. And obviously we know that's not Green Bay strong suit, but they are a team that more so than any, while you have a team like the Buccaneers that are going to come out with a wealth of offensive receiving talent in the tight end and wide receiver rooms, meeting up with a Green Bay team that likes to run five to six defensive backs on the field more than any team in the league. Um, they've got a very deep secondary, Jair Alexander, Kevin King, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, so many different guys in that secondary. They run six, six to five or six um, secondary players on the field more than any team in the league. They come in there. I think they're going to be able to get things done. I just don't think Tampa Bay's defense is going to be able to keep up with it because even without Bakhtiari, um, people forget they still have multiple Pro Bowl slash All-Pro offensive linemen on that team. Corey Lindsley, Elton Jenkins. Still a great offensive line. And just the level they're playing at right now, it's just tough for me to see Tampa Bay come out and take this football game. Um, could it happen? Yes. Playoff Tom Brady is a different animal. You know what I mean? Um, they will be playing in Lambeau Field. Lambeau Field, a thing that people don't realize right now. Lambeau Field, it's supposed to snow. It's supposed to be a snow game in the NFC Championship. And apart from Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, and not even Antonio, I was going to say Antonio Brown, but he's not playing. Um, nobody else on that team really has much experience playing in the snow. They've, you know, they've been playing in Tampa Bay in Florida their entire career. You know what I mean? It's, you, they, they don't know what that's like. And obviously those boys in Lambeau field, uh, they know, they know about the snow. Let me tell you what, um, make no mistake about that. So my, my score prediction here is 25 to 35 green Bay. You know, obviously our score predictions aren't anything that mean a crazy amount, but, um, so yeah, we both predicted Kansas city to win. Both predicted Green Bay to win. Personally, I'm probably going to be rooting for um, the team that I did not vote, or yeah, that I did not predict to win in both scenarios, just because I'd love to see Antonio Brown get a ring, and I would love to see the Buffalo Bills win a Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, there you have our prediction for the 2021 AFC slash NFC Championship Games. We will be with you on Monday to show you our. Um, actual analysis of the games and our what we think about the Super Bowl coming up but 
to end off this episode, or not really end it, but to continue on the episode, I guess I'll say, we are going to be doing a segment that we have come up with or seen other people do. I'm not sure. Joe, Joe messaged me with the idea. I don't know where he found it from personally. I don't think anybody else do this. Okay. Well, I mean, well, not. Right. I, I, I haven't I, personally, but. I watched the Pat McAfee show and they talked about Philip Rivers. And yeah, I, I was it. listening to Colin Coward today and he was talking about. Philip Rivers and Eli Manning and their Hall of Fame chances. So that's not where we're, we're almost these players are still well. Not, none of them are tired except for Philip Rivers. Technically, um, Philip Rivers. And it's, it's not. It's not like that. that. That was not the inspiration. I just thought of it just off the top of my head. Yeah. I, I I like the idea. I it's fun. Um. So you predict there. So I'll start off. I'm gonna start off with Von Miller. This is an easier. This this should be a pretty easier. Personally, we there's a lot. We have how many? One, two, three, four, five, six. We have nine different guys here. They are all guys that, for me, I'm not exactly sure how you took the criteria. For me, I did this. If if they retired today, would they? Would I put them in the Hall of Fame? If I was a voter, would I vote for them? Was was what I thought of it. So I did some players that overall could go either way. Von Miller to start off with was where I wanted to start as well. Just one that ease us into it. I'm sure we'll both have the same thing for Von Miller. I think that's kind of an easy one, but um, well, now you're making me nervous because I could sound really stupid. I said I think it will be 106 career sacks, five career 10 plus sack uh, season. Um, he's an animal. He has cooled off, but he, you know, he wrote down specifically. His like production comes in waves, which I'm I'm assuming it comes because of like two years where he's really good and one year where he's still good but not like. He doesn't keep up with the same standards. And there was the one season where he had 18 and a half sacks, um, where he was uh, probably joked out of defense player of the year award, to be fair. But um, I don't know. I, I thought that was straightforward. To me, I thought it was pretty for sure. But I guess I hope we both have the same thing. <laughs> um, yeah, we do. Um, I say Von Miller is a Hall of Famer. If he retires today, he's a Hall of Famer. Um, obviously, Super Bowl 50 MVP. One of not one of the very few players on defense to win Super Bowl MVP. Um, he is an eight-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro first-teamer, member of the 100 Sack Club, um, Defensive Rookie of the Year, 2010's All-Decade Team member. Um, yeah, and he for me, I wanted to preface this. I I didn't say it yet, but this for me as a voter, I was as I had mentioned listening to Colin Coward today. He he had a segment, or not really a segment, but he was talking about Philip Rivers. And he had talked about how it's easy to sit behind the screen and just say, like, yeah, this guy's a Hall of Famer. And um, But when you, if you're actually the voter, which is kind of what I'm trying to take the place of right now, like, I'm a Hall of Fame voter, and I've got all these guys, you know, like, why didn't you vote me into the Hall of Fame? I need a criteria. So I have criteria of what I think is a Hall of Fame. And it's a mix of things, right? It's a mixture. It's still opinionated, obviously. But for me, it's a mixture of stats, impact, and for different positions, for quarterbacks, Super Bowls, right? Whether that be wins or appearances, something like that. But for other positions, it, it kind of like, it varies, but it could look like longevity, you know, overall, right? Stats are straightforward, you know, all-time yards, whatever. Um, impact is one that could kind of go either way. Impact is like, well, the way I think of it, the way it was put by Joy Taylor when she had mentioned it. Um, either one, like, did you change the way the game was played? Or could you tell the story of the NFL without this player? Like, obviously, we, to use a player like Tom Brady, who we all agree is a Hall of Famer, um, stats are there. 
He's number one all-time in passing touchdowns, number two all-time in passing yards. He'll be number one in both by next year. Um, the impact, obviously, you, you can't tell the story of the NFL without, <laughs> without Tom Brady, let me tell you, the most Super Bowls ever. Rings, obviously, Super Bowl, six Super Bowls, longevity. He's 43 years old and still playing at a Pro Bowl caliber level. Um, and just when it comes to impact, like, yeah, it's kind of a longevity thing, kind of a thing of could you tell the story without it, just a thing of how, how, how did they affect me. So for Von Miller's a yes for me because obviously stats, he's a 100-sack club kind of guy. He's got accolades. And which are also kind of included in stats for me in impact Super Bowl MVP, Pro Bowlers, all pro teams. You know what I mean? He's got stats. He's got the impact. Can you tell the story of the NFL without Super Bowl, without the you know Super Bowl Fifty, the the 50th Super Bowl, and Von Miller's crazy strip sacks and just his amazing play there? No, his impact. He was one of the you know he's he's got longevity for you know the better portion of a decade. He's one of the best edge rushers and. That that that's what I see with with Von Miller. I think yes, he he makes it if he retires today. In my eyes, I vote him to the Hall of Fame. So it's a yes for me, and I guess a yes from you as well on Von Miller. Uh, just are you gonna post his on Instagram? You don't have to. I was just wondering. I probably will. If we say the same thing for every single one of them, maybe I won't. But I intend to at least. Okay, I, I'm just I was just wondering because I won't. I'll make sure I, I clearly state which way I think. interesting one because you obviously you follow me on instagram and a lot you know i'm sure not a lot of these people do but i i did i posted on my story it was a picture of philip rivers retirement and i had wrote hall of famer on it but when we decided to do this i'm sitting here i'm thinking about my criteria and i'm thinking about the the philip rivers career and it gets a lot more cloudy and i'm gonna say i go into this and i say philip rivers as much as a pain he's not a hall of famer um i i've decided i said it Originally, but I go back on my take that I said just two days ago on my on my main Instagram. Um, like, yeah, he's an eight-time Pro Bowler, which is great. He's never been an All-Pro first-teamer. Um, he was a Comeback Player of the Year, one-time passing yards leader, one-time passing touchdowns leader, and as you mentioned, he's fifth all-time in yards, fifth all-time in touchdowns. So stats, he's my criteria. 
you got to have at least somewhat of all three of them, right? Or at least two out of three. Obviously, there are exceptions to be made, but stats, he's got them. He's top five in passing yards and passing touchdowns. You know, eight-time pro bowler, pass yards leader, pass touchdowns leader. Um, so, yeah, he's got stats. Impact. What impact does Phillip Rivers have? You know what I mean? He, ne- he never made a Super Bowl, right? You can tell the story of the NFL without Phillip Rivers. And the thing is, is there a, cla- is there a single classic Phillip Rivers moment? No. Like, you don't think, like, every, you know, Hall of Famers, they have moments. It's like one moment under the lights, like, important, important clutch moment, you know, like, you know, I mean, you have these guys like a a Tom Brady, like, important moments in Tom Brady's career. They come back in Atlanta, the Super Bowl. I mean, there's an important moment in Tom Brady's career. Other quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, um, the the classic San Antonio home Super Bowl catch. It's thrown from Ben Roethlisberger. There's a classic moment. The, the game-saving tackle in Detroit that, to send the Steelers to the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, the, the, there's classic moments for these guys, right? He doesn't have a classic moment. There, there's no impact, no Super Bowl rings. And with quarterbacks, a winning culture is important to me. And Philip Rivers has been a winning quarterback for the most of his, the, the majority of his career, but he's never really, he's never been to a Super Bowl. And as much as it does pain me to say it as well, because as much as it's just like, Every now, it's just I've been told, you know what I mean? It's just like my whole life's like, yep, Philip Rivers, the Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I would not. I think I, I personally think he will make the Hall of Fame. I do think he will make it. But if I had a vote, I would not vote Philip Rivers. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's pain, yeah, it pains me to say because he's been a great for, for like 17 years since he came to the NFL. And, uh, but yeah, if I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm going to vote for the Hall of Fame, or would be really hard for me to warrant putting him in the Hall of Fame over like many players. Um, no, no, next, I don't know. My, this one I have not, I actually did not write down a yes or no decision. So I guess I'm just really stupid. Um, he has seven 1,000 yard plus seasons. Um, you know, we all know his dominance and Cole, uh, dominance, I guess, I've already used that word. Oh, I'm, I was going to read off his stats, but I forgot to screenshot it, so I don't have it. Um, but he had multiple, I think he had, he had a bunch of 10 plus touchdowns. Um, oh, yeah, like all those 1,000 yard plus season. Um, I wrote that down, hopefully. <laughs> I think if he would have stuck with the Steelers 100%, I think he, he would have consistently, he would have put up the same statistics um, as he was still, I think it was the second best, was the year before he, quote, forced his way out. Um, and it, that's sad. Like obviously, now you can't go back now. But it would be like it would have it would have worked. He would have been a Hall of Famer. And I, I was, yeah. We were sitting here. I would say yeah, yeah. Antonio Brown. We say that all the time. But all the time the we last say if Antonio Brown stays in Pittsburgh, he's a Hall of Fame lock. Yeah, there's a there's a great there's a humongous. He would be the greatest wide receiver of time. And he's on Jerry Rice and be up there and and the name. But now no one's talking about him with Randy Moss and Jerry Rice and Terrell Owens and Larry Fitzgerald and. I even hold you to Jones now, <laughs> but it's the statistics have dropped off. He's never been, um, he's never won a Super Bowl. He, I guess, he's never been a big piece on a Super Bowl team. I'm not sure when he was really young, he might have been like a depth piece. Like he, I think he played in the 2010 Super Bowl. Yeah, I think he played win. in the, in the so Packers been, one, yeah. like as a return specialist, um, like sixth receiver on the roster guy. Yeah, um, sad, sadly enough, but he's just not, he's, he's been really good and he's made in the playoffs, and it's just. If, if I'm voting for someone, I think it's really, well, okay. I, I thought of this more, is he gonna, are these people going to make it to the playoffs? I mean, are these people going to make it to, oh my goodness, what am I saying? Like, are the people going to vote him to be a Hall of Fame 
I don't think they're going to go and look a bit like at him and be this mean guy that's done a lot of bad things. And the, the, the mean people have done really bad things. makes it a pro Hall of Fame before. But now it's shut in your face because the media is still like right now. Right? I mean, like, it's more mm-hmm. well-known when it does something bad. So I yeah. probably would have to go no, but I really wish I could say yes. It's mm-hmm. just two in a row. I really wish Antonio Brown would have stayed in Pittsburgh and would I be able to sit here and say, yeah, Antonio Brown's a Hall of Famer. But now it's really up to if he's going to paint out Bucks and stick around with Tom Brady. I mean, if, or if he wins a Super Bowl this year, then I think there's a really big argument to say yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard. Yeah, that's true. Um, I like your I actually I like how we're doing this because you thus far at least you've gone into this and you've read off like the stats and I'm reading off the accolade. So thus far we have a very good balance here. We didn't coordinate this at all. But this nice. is really good. Um and I definitely do like your reasoning with the Antonio Brown one. Obviously, you all knew I was gonna say yes. Um, let's be real. If I was a voter, I'm voting Antonio Brown is. But I do like your reasoning, right? Um, especially you're going off of, do you think he's going to get in? And a lot of voters may be, may be a little hesitant to vote Antonio Brown in, as they were definitely hesitant to vote in Terrell Owens because of all of his antics, right? Um, but personally for me, Antonio Brown comes into this with seven Pro Bowls, four-time All-Pro all first-teamer. Um, he's two-time receiving yards leader, two-time receptions leader one-time receiving touchdowns leader, and a 2010s all-decade team member. Um, that is where Antonio Brown is with um, his accolades, one-time Super Bowl appearance, zero-time Super Bowl champion. Um, but I would vote him in because when you look at stats, he's got stats, right? I just read you his league leaders things, you know what I mean? He's first, you know, he, he has stats. He's already, his gloves are in the Hall of Fame, you know, from, he's got all these different crazy um you know stats that he's already in like mentioned in the hall of fame for like youngest player to this many receptions quickest player to this many yards whatever right um impact are the is there are there signature antonio brown moments in the nfl yes the immaculate extension signature antonio brown moment you know there's so the playoff battle in jacksonville while we didn't win it signature moment in his career you know what I mean? Going toe-to-toe with Jalen Ramsey and just cooking him. There are signature moments. And he impacted the game. He's one of the, you know what I mean? He's He was one of the first small, in re- you know, he's kind of breed, bred a breed of receivers now. One of the, a small receiver that comes in and doesn't play like a slot receiver. You know what I mean? How often do we really see that? And we saw that with guys like Andre Johnson, but the play styles were completely different. Antonio Brown was a guy that had was small and he ran routes like a slot receiver, but he played from the outside. You know what I mean? You were, he was able to go up and get jump balls as well. He was able to do everything from the field while having the quickness of a slot receiver, right? Andre Johnson was a smaller guy going out, but he was a big physical receiver, and that was his thing. You know what I mean? And so that, that's a breed of wide receivers that was kind of Antonio Brown. Maybe I'm reading a little bit into it much. Just maybe I'm a little bit biased, right? Um, but there's that impact there, and. With impact for non-quarterbacks, I, I throw in longevity for me. Antonio Brown, seven years of, you know, Pro Bowl caliber player. And that's like seven years that consensus, top two wide receivers, right? The yeah. better portion of the 2010s decade, Antonio Brown and Julio Jones were the number one and number two wide receivers in the NFL. And, there you know, there were different debates every season on who was the best. But it was one of those two pretty much every year. We all knew it, right? Um there was the obviously years where Antonio, there was a year where Antonio Brown was in an MVP conversation. You know what I mean? 1,800 receiving yards and like 12 touchdowns. 
you know what I mean, voted by his peers the, the second best player in the NFL. Um, so for me, I say yes to Antonio Brown. He fits my criteria personally. Um, you know, maybe I'm a bit biased, maybe. Um, but what I've seen, and there are guys here. Julio Jones, a guy that he was battling with, they were so similar in everything for so long. But obviously Antonio Brown took a year off. Julio Jones didn't. Julio Jones is probably better now. He's a lock, I would say. Um, there are definitely guys just... To preface this, we we wanted to give you some guys here that weren't locks, right? That's why we're not their locks. I think we can safely say Bray, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Big Ben are locks. Frank Gore, Adrian Peterson are locks. Larry Fitzgerald's a lock. Um, Aaron Donald's a lock. You know, J.J. Watt's yeah. a lock. There are a lot of guys here that I, I can fairly, like Zach Martin, I'd say, is probably a lock. Jason Peters yeah. is probably a lock. You know, there are a lot of these older players that we've got in the league now that we're like, okay, Gronkowski's a lock. You know what I mean? A lot of these guys that I would say are locks. Do you, do you think Gronkowski's a lock? Would you say that? Yeah, I think Gronk's a lock. I would say Gronk's a lock, personally. I don't know. That was one of them I, I would Gronk say is a lock. Yeah. I think he's... Like, I, that, yeah. There's an argument to be made. I didn't think it was. I'm not going to get into that because I'm not informed enough. Um, yeah. I guess, I guess on the next week we mentioned earlier... Um, and, and he's, he's been great statistically. He only had three seasons where he was under 4,000 passing yards and it was his first three years. So while he was working his way in, um, figuring out the NFL and whatnot, he's always, he's always had a good passer rating, never below 85, which is very impressive, I'd say. I was actually very surprised to learn, Matt Ryan. He's top 10 in all-time passing yards and touchdowns. I did not know that. I was not aware of that. That is impressive. I did not see that. Um, it's, it's, his interception ratio hasn't always been like top tier, but it's always been it's always been pretty good. But if it comes down to this, what's his impact? What's his impact? I, I said no. And um, he's great specifically, but he's made it to Super Bowl and choked. He's been a part of good teams and choked. He's him and Matthew Stafford. Are you, is Matthew Stafford going to be a, a Hall of Famer? Just put up like that's no. He's been a, he's been part of like three teams where the records were was good. And other than that, the record's always been like really mediocre or like bad. I like maybe I'm I'm missing some stuff, but it's, it it never seems like Matt Ryan. And then it comes on like he said, yeah. What what's his, what's his big moment when he choked a twenty eight to three lead in the play? Like <laughs> I hate to bring that, and I it's got to be terrible for that poor guy that heard the same exact thing. But like it's that puts an absolute strain. You're really gonna. <laughs> I, it comes down to more. I thought there's gonna vote for a guy that his whole career is defined around one. Unless he comes back and he, you said if it's if he retired today, is he a Hall of Famer? And if he retired today, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. If he plays on, gets a Super Bowl, and that's his defining moment. He's a he's not remembered for choking a Super Bowl. He'll be remembered for winning a Super Bowl and having revenge on it. But right now, <laughs> yeah. Um, I do agree with you there. If Matt, if Matt Ryan won that Super Bowl, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Um, but he did not. Um, like I said, he's got some. He's got stats. He's a four-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro First Teamer, obviously um, a one-time MVP, um, an Offensive Rookie of the Year, one-time Offensive Player of the Year, top ten in all-time passing yards, top ten in all-time passing touchdowns. Um, a great player. But like I said, impact is what it comes down to, and. Are there any signature Matt Ryan moments? I can't think of one. You know what I mean? And that's not all impact comes down to, right? Is Matt Ryan somebody that changed the game of football? No. Is, was he a player that impacted his team into winning seasons? Not really, to be fair. 
And there were he had a couple of winning seasons of really good playoff seasons, but overall as a career, the Falcons were underwhelming with Matt Ryan at the helm. You know, they should have been better. There were many years that they should have been much better, including this one, right? Um, so yeah, while he's a great player and he's one of the quarterbacks I grew up on, I I can't put Matt Ryan in either. I just can't. Yeah, at that I'm not, I never was like Matt Ryan. Always seemed like he's quiet. You don't hear anything about him, so that doesn't lead to much of an emotional attachment. So I'm not. I don't feel bad saying he's yeah. not a Hall of Famer. But I do. Wish, I wish that Super Bowl would have went differently. It definitely it's changed the like, whole entire just the way the roster. Like, everything changed after that year. It all mm-hmm. went downhill. And um, nothing to watch. I was like, <laughs> I was like to watch the highlights. Great. Um, yeah. just like this player Bobby, up next on our list. I, I deemed him Mr. Consistent as he has had a plus. He has had more than 130 tackles in all but two seasons throughout his whole entire career. A total of 1,213 total tackles, 22 and a half sacks, 10 interceptions. He produces like none, not many, um, not many linebackers I've seen, uh, especially from tackles. Like, as, you know, obviously he doesn't have as many sacks as J.J. Watt or, or whoever, but that's not, what that's not what he does. That's not his bread and butter. He's a, a roaming guy, um, you know, and I think, you know, he's, he's a part of the, the steel curtain defense, um, one of the best, and then one that will definitely go down into me. So, uh, yeah. I said, yeah, probably, but um, I'll change that to him. <laughs> I'm a pretty big Bobby Wagner fan. He's definitely he's definitely a really talented player. And when it comes to me, like, I just, I have never, like, I've never really looked through any linebacker stats, but then I looked at this and it's otherworldly numbers, like, I have not seen a linebacker like this in his whole career. His low career low in tackles is 104, and then the closest thing to that is 120. And then he has a yeah. career high of 107. Like that's just that's yeah. crazy. Bobby like, Wagner doesn't say happen very often. Yeah, I also said yes to Bobby Wagner for Hall of Fame. Um, he is a one-time Super Bowl champion, seven-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro first-teamer, uh, two-time tackle leader. Um, and member of the 2010s All-Decade team. Um, and there's not much to say with it. Yeah, um, he's a guy that stats are 100% there, right? Um, impact is one that maybe isn't as high, but just because he's a middle linebacker. Like, what middle linebacker really has a lot of impact in terms of, like, you know, he had a very a very distinct style that has kind of been picked up by other linebackers, so you can maybe say that. Um, but... He's a player that impacted his team, right? The defense, as long as Bobby Wagner's been on that defense, they've been at least solid, right? He's a guy that's impacted that defense and just upped their ceiling significantly because he's able to get all the tackles. He's able to defend the pass at times. He's able to rush the quarterback if needed to. He's a guy that brings the ceiling of his defense up so much. There's there's your impact all you need right there. He's a Super Bowl, obviously a Super Bowl champion, um, been a part of so many great defenses, Um that's where I go for Bobby Wagner. So I think, yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you there. He is a Hall of Famer if this if it ends right now. This was the second hardest guy for me to decide here. DeAndre Hopkins. Um, obviously, he spent the greater part of his career in, in with subpar quarterbacks. Then he gets to play with Sean Watson. He's good. Um, he gets out of Houston to play in Arizona with um, a quarterback who's still very good, not a talent level, but still a very good quarterback there. Um and his stats, his stats are good. Career, 747 receptions, 10,009 yards receiving, um, as well as 60 touchdowns on the dot, which is very, came to very good uh, end of the season with, with 10,000 yards and 60 touchdowns. That's impressive. Um, 
but uh, it's so hard. It's to really good. Obviously, he's pretty a bad players. And I, I think you have yes. I have no because he's not played. He's not played with a good team. Like he does not. He's not. I know it's, it's less important for wide receivers because he just hasn't played with. He has not played with any good team, and that's why it pains me to say no. And I almost want to change it to yes because he's really talented. He's really good. One of the players in the '99 spectacular catch and Madden. I wrote down no. I'm gonna take my decision. Um, because getting kind of late, and I'm, I don't want to say anything rash, but I have, I have no. I would, I wouldn't be surprised at all if if he retired today. If it ended up being very much wide receiver. Um, I do have no as well. Um, maybe surprisingly okay. to you. Um, I love DeAndre Hopkins. I really do. Um, you all know that. He's a five-time Pro Bowler, a three-time All-Pro first-teamer, and a one-time receiving touchdowns later. Those are not stats worthy of Hall of Fame, to be honest. Um, just accolades. He has stats that are potentially Hall of Fame worthy, but accolades are not necessarily Hall of Fame worthy. Impact, I wouldn't say he's inspired like any new breed of wide receivers. Um, I wouldn't say that he just, in a nutshell, has led to as many one games as even Antonio Brown or Julio Jones have. Um, and I wouldn't, you know, there are, you know, there are, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would say specifically like signature DeAndre Hopkins moments. There are great moments of DeAndre. I guess, I know, I guess the Hail Mary this year would be a signature DeAndre Hopkins moment. Yeah. I'll say he does have one. I guess that's his signature moment of his career at this point, but uh, I would say no. I need to see some more accolades from him, definitely. Um, I will, I think when it's all said and done, DeAndre Hopkins will be in the Hall of Fame. I think Kyler Murray will continue to progress as a quarterback, and DeAndre Hopkins' stats will only get better and better. Um, but I think as of now, it, it is a no for me as well. I What I have exactly written down is not right now. So definitely a future guy that could – but at least we're going to say right now, he's not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I um, agree. Next, yeah. sticking with the same team, Arizona, Patrick Peterson – um, I'll come out and say it right away. Yes, I think he's a Hall of Famer. He has been among the top cornerbacks in the league since he came in. Um, his stats support that. One short of 500 tackles in his career, four sacks, which is important for a cornerback, and then 28 interceptions, which is very impressive. Three here, um, which is in second place for his career high. Um, and he's just he's produced. He's been consistent. Um, there were like weird rumors that he was gonna want to be traded out of Arizona. That never happened. Um, he's getting up there in age now, but he's still he's still playing well. He's still one of the anchors of the defense. Um, and he's yeah, like exactly right down. Yes, always among top cornerbacks. Um, and that, that's that's where it comes down to me. Uh, but I, I've not really known that much about Patrick Peter- Peterson in his career. I haven't watched him play very often, if at all. Um, well, I mean, I've, I've watched him play before, you know what I mean? But I haven't watched him play, like, a whole ton. <laughs> he can lock down a side of the field. Um, but, I mean, <laughs> he's pretty prototypical. So that, that when it comes to impact and, uh, and stuff like that, that's why I could see why maybe he wouldn't. But I, for me, I'm pretty sure I, I'd probably have a lot. I, to be honest, I, I kind of didn't have an idea. So I looked up <laughs> Patrick Peterson Hall of Fame, and it was like, Patrick Peterson is definitely luck because he's always been among the top in the league. That's very good. And I was like, yeah, sounds good. This Patrick Peterson was probably the hardest person on this list for me to predict or to say. I'm I'm gonna say if the season, if the NFL, um, and if he, he retired right now, I'm gonna say no. Um, it's very it's very tough. It could really go either way. He's an eight-time Pro Bowler, a three-time All-Pro First Teamer, and a member of the All-Decade 2010s team. Right, and it's just like he has he has stats. And longevity. He's been one of the better corners in football for a long time, but it's just corner is such a a tough one for me to rank. 
Uh, and it, large part for me because Patrick Peterson's never really been part of a defense that was great. He's been a very good individual player, but the impact team-wise it hasn't. It's it's never seemed like Patrick Peterson being such a great player has led to the defense being great for me. You've never seen Patrick Peterson be on one of the best defenses in the league or a defense really carrying this team as some other corners definitely have been. And it's really tough for me because he's been one of the best cornerbacks in the league for a long time. But it's just, it could really go either way. If you want to say Patrick Peterson Hall of Fame, I can't argue your point at all. And I hope to see him there. But if I was a voter, I, w- I think I would say no for Patrick Peterson. That, that's fair. I, 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 I don't really know. I don't know. Really Some folks says, well, I'm going to look at your player. That's pretty good. Look at a pit of things who watch him all the time. Yeah, he's really good. <laughs> so that's why I, I, to be honest, I, I absolutely respect your style. Um, and it just hit one o'clock. So you're not going to expect to get such a commentary. Yeah. You don't get good commentary out of me normally, let alone when it's one o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. So coming to the last player. We actually, Cleo. before we get into the last player, there's mm-hmm. one more player that I have that we, we'll get to at the end. All I right. think I just wanted to mention. I don't remember if I actually said him to you or not. I don't actually remember, but I wanted, I wanted to ask you about him because I, I, I thought about him. I don't remember if I sent him to you or not. Uh, okay, nice or whatever. Um, on to the last player that I complained out here, Khalil Mack. Um, Khalil Mack, obviously, there's a big thing with his with his trade, like halfway. Uh, okay, I'm um wait with his trade halfway through his career. Um, and that, that's a big defining. I think that's a big defining thing. I, I don't know where I'm going for with that to be honest. Um, yes, 448 combined. Tackles, 70 and a half career sacks, three interception. Um, you know, he's, he's pretty, he's pretty a lot. And he's been very technical. He's one of the top, he's like the standard for technical perfectness in, in tackles and whatnot. But it's the thing with me, this, this is his sack totals. So his rookie year for and then 15, 11, 10 and a half, 12. And then he just dropped off, eight and a half, nine. Um, which is weird. You know, like he, if you pick I feel like if you would pick, Pick it up. Who had even if you got ten exactly on dot. The double digits just seems like a big accomplishment to me. I think it's just a big mental thing. <laughs> um, I think it comes as far as like he, he's a he can be a game wrecker and he has been a game wrecker. But then sometimes he's just he's not the game wrecker that I that like I watch him play. And it's like why where's the impact right now? You know, like maybe it's <laughs> just me. That's why I had him as no. Um, could be, but needs to pick it up. Was exactly what I said. Um, needs to pick up that game record impact that I used to see every time I saw him, and now I see it sometimes in the clutch moments, and then just sometimes I just don't see him. Sometimes yeah. he's on the field. That maybe it's because he's getting okay. To be fair, I'm sure he's getting a ton of attention. Um, but Aaron Ron- Aaron Donald gets a ton of attention. He gets triple teamed, and he's still produced. Um, and I don't know. I saw him as no, but I absolutely 100% understand if you hit him as yes, because everything else except my stupid eye test supports the fact that he's a Hall of Famer. So um, that, that's, what I, that's what I think. So I did have him as a yes. I do think he is a Hall of Famer. Um, but I do understand why you don't have him. Obviously, he has dropped off a bit, and he's still young. You know what I mean? The stats and accolades are kind of yet to come because he's still a relatively young player. For me, he's been in the league for like seven or eight, seven seasons or so. He's a six-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro first-teamer, one-time Defensive Player of the Year, and a member of the 2010s All-Decade team. Um, <clears throat> the stats, I think, for the for how long he's been in the league, the stats are definitely there. 
Um, impact for me, I don't think there's a specific like Khalil Mack moment, but defensive players kind of the specific moment for them kind of is not as important as offensive players because obviously they don't have the ball in their hands and able to make dynamic plays nearly as often. Um, but impact is definitely there with teams because you, you look at when he was on Oakland and they had a, a solid defense and he gets traded and the defense, they had, the defense they had prior to him being traded and the level that the defense was playing on versus the level prior to, or sorry, the level after him getting traded, the drop off is drastic. And you can certainly tell the impact he had there. And then that is the same way for the mediocre Bears defense. And then they get Khalil Mack and all of a sudden they're the best defense in the league. You know what I mean? They're continuously a top five defense every year since Cleo Mack's been there just on impact because whether or not he's putting up 10 double digit sacks, the defense is playing well. His, his presence there opens things up for Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman, which opens things up in the secondary for Eddie Jackson and um, Kyle Fuller, which obviously and just his presence there. Can, and then you've got the linebackers, Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan. Things are, his impact is so magnificent on any, any game. You know what I mean? And consistency, he's been, you know, since his rookie season, he's been consistently one of the best defensive players in the NFL. He's getting double teamed, triple teamed, and he's finding his way to muscle through it consistently. Um, obviously not to the level of an Aaron Donald. I don't think in my lifetime I will ever see a defensive player as dominant as Aaron Donald ever again. Um, but, yeah, that's where I'm at. I think Khalil Mack is, is personally a Hall of Famer, I would say. But the one one last guy here that I wanted to say, I don't remember. I, I, I might not have sent him to you, but the, one more guy that I had here on my list, Richard Sherman, is a guy I wanted, to, I wanted to talk about. And this is one that's also really close for me, right? And I don't – I'll go first because obviously you didn't have time to, like, have anything prepared. So I'll just read off my, the accolades I have here, and I'll give you a little bit of my reasoning and see what you think. <laughs> And this, for me, is kind of more of an eye test one more than anything else, and just an impact one. Because I said no to Patrick Peterson, but I'm saying yes to Richard Sherman. And statistically, Patrick Peterson, I believe, probably has better statistics. Um, just like slightly, not a whole lot um, better. Richard Sherman is a five-time Pro Bowler and a three-time All-Pro. So they have the same amount of All-Pros, but Patrick Peterson has made three more Pro Bowls. Um, Richard Sherman, obviously, is a one-time Super Bowl champion. Um <clears throat> Richard Sherman is a one-time interception leader and in a member of the All-Decade team. <clears throat> so what I'm seeing here is Patrick Peterson has slightly better stats. At least that's what you've told me. He has three more Pro Bowls, which do with that as you will. But um, for me, Richard Sherman's impact is the Legion of Boom, let me, let me say. And just the way that teams have played. You know what I mean? You can say with the Legion of Boom, it's, it's reasonable to. I say the Legion of Boom, I think whether you know, whether, you know he had other great players in the Legion of Boom. Don't get me wrong. Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas were probably, you know, potentially the two best safeties in the NFL at the time. So I'm not trying to sit here and say that this was Richard Sherman, in, you know, making everyone better because they would all be bad without Richard Sherman. I'm not saying that. But Richard Sherman was certainly the face of the Legion of Boom. Can you tell the story of the NFL without the Legion of Boom? I don't know if you can, personally. Um, and Richard Sherman was the face of it. And he kind of inspired, to me, a breed of corners, not necessarily maybe with play style, but a breed of NFL player that kind of corner especially that is they can speak that speaks their mind. You know what I mean? Do you like do I I don't think that um, Jalen Ramsey is the is the face that he is today without Richard Sherman. Maybe he's the player. 
but he does not have the recognition that he, and this is Jalen Ramsey that he does without Richard Sherman, right? So for me, Richard Sherman makes it an impact, right? He impact. He is the face of one of the greatest defenses of all time. He impacted. He kind of inspired a breed of player from a personality standpoint, and he's got some pretty solid statistics. And he's still doing it in his old age. He has that longevity of a career overall. So I'm going to say yes to Richard Sherman. If you say no, I definitely understand it because his stats are not as good as Patrick Peterson. And I said no to Patrick Peterson personally, so maybe I don't make the most sense. But impact and eye test are kind of a thing that I like to see. So No, um, I, I think I agree with you. I think I'm going to have him. Yeah, his stats weren't. Are like not perfect. Let's just say like his stats could be 484 tackles, two sacks, doesn't matter, 36 interceptions. Um, he had eight two years in a row, and then other than that, he's had below four, four below four, with one season in 2018 where he had zero um interceptions. So, um, yeah, I think you you made this absolutely. I this is the first you cannot have. He was basically the essentially the cornerstone of it's like one of the best defenses. In NFL history, he was yeah yeah like he was he um he was like an, he was like an NFL personality. You could like <laughs> the, the, yeah. It's obviously the, the sound guy. bites of you trying me with a sorry yeah. receiver like Crabtree. This is what you go and get. And there's that. Yeah. There's the stuff with the, his big old argument with uh, Skip Bayless on air. He's he's not afraid to speak his mind. I'll tell you, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah, and um, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure you did have Richard Sherman on the list. I think I, I didn't have him on there. So that's my bad. Um, but I think yeah, I think he's the Hall of Famer. I think he's. I might be a little biased as well because also I've always loved Richard Sherman. I don't know. I've never like a humongous fan, but I I've always loved. I think, um, but I think more, more than anything, he always like he'll always just make plays. Like you know, yeah, that's might be not. Yeah, because everybody loved watching the Legion of Boom, right? They were such a fun defense, but I never liked Earl Thomas, and I always loved Richard Sherman, and I always loved Cam Chancellor. Um, obviously, Cam Chancellor laying the boom, called him Bam Bam Cam. And Richard Sherman just, obviously, he was the face of it all, and just he was just so fun to watch. You know what I mean? Just yeah. the, the technicality that he played with, and in every movement that he had, just was so interesting to me. But that sounds a little bit weird, but <laughs> you, get, you get the point. Yeah, um, but this this was a good episode. I actually really liked our, our even though I think we only had like three differences. We had Antonio uh, Brown was different, Khalil Mack, and Patrick Peterson were were three differences. All right, um, so not not a humongous difference, but it was fun. Enjoyed that. Yeah, um, maybe I, we'll I always that enjoy these type of episodes, just like the random little segments in between where you know we can get into some opinionated things and our differences and, you know, what we value of stats versus impact versus other things. I, I always enjoy stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. It was fun. Um, the thing is, since I, we don't I have do, many I, differences, I might just have to go, instead of doing, like, Joe's pick, Colton's pick in terms of, uh, like, Hall of Famers, I might just have to end up doing one that's just, like, our pick. Yeah, I mean, it's like, Hall of Fame or not, and I'll just list different players. Like, our pick? Yes. Our pick? No. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll see. I had about Philip, but that's objectively thinking. You got, like it's really hard to put him as as all. Yeah. Although yeah. I think like I feel like every player on that list at some point could could make like I don't. I think feel like they will all like I feel like Philip Rivers will be. I feel like they'll I feel all like probably will be Hall of Famers. Maybe they won't be first ballot. 
a lot of them, but I feel like they all probably will make the Hall of Fame at some point, just maybe not deservedly, if that makes yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially, like, like some players, of when you watch, like, the, their interest, I was like, this guy played in a good defense. Like, maybe Richard Sherman didn't stats in part as much, but they're like, this player was the cornerstone of an amazing defense, so obviously yeah. he's going to make Yeah, and like, got, it, with hard. quarterbacks, it's like, obviously you have to have so many players in every year, and if they're... They're not going to get. If there's a year where, like, maybe there aren't any first ballot quarterbacks, they're not going to go a year without putting a quarterback in the Hall of Fame. You know, yeah. they don't. They just don't want to do that. You know, it just kind of throws everything off. And if Philip Rivers is the best quarterback on the board, and maybe you don't have a star quarterback that is just becoming eligible, maybe that's when you say, mm, "Okay, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe we throw Phil in here." But I do hope the Colton and Josh episode acted. As the most perfect, awesome segue to the yes. uh, most perfect, awesome weekend of your life. It is really. Late. I do agree. <laughs> yeah, it is. About... It's it technically it's very early. I don't want to yes. be that guy. I won't say that. I won't be that guy. It's just like saying what's up, the sky. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like. I don't. Like, I hate people where it's like midnight and it's like, yeah, I'll see you in the morning, man. It's like you mean I'll see you later today. It's like, shut up. I got that annoys me. But it is late. It's one a.m. 1.14 a.m. to be exact. Um, we're tired. Joe Gardy hits you with the, with the perfect outro, obviously, as per usual. So I hit you with the classic one. Um, you know what it is from us here at the Colin and Joe Show. We are teasing.